I'm Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Eggs, your local friendly tipsy YA book podcast. Woo! That's the <laughs> longest tagline, I swear. <laughs> and it's still not consistent. I'm de- I definitely switched something up in there. I just don't know what I switched up. <laughs> I liked it this time, though. It, it sounded good. I worried that you were forgetting your own name there for a second. Um, I know, I wanted everyone to think that. <laughs> but that honestly would not be wrong for a tipsy book podcast. Because there are so many names. Sometimes we can't remember all of them, it's including true. our own. I, I feel like you're probably getting towards blackout drunk if you're forgetting names. But yes. <laughs> or just really tired. Which is me. So you put a little wine in me and you add the amount of tired that I am right now and... It's not a good combination. <laughs> it's a fantastic combination. Incorrect, yeah. Julia. Sure. <laughs> oh, gosh. So speaking of wine, what are you drinking tonight? How are you doing? How's life? I'm good. I'm very tired. I'm exhausted. I was, um, I was, I was like, don't even know how to put words together anymore. <laughs> I went to Philly. I was Philly. <laughs> Same thing. I... Went to Philly with some friends. We did a lot of eating and we did some drinking and I got about five hours of sleep because my friend Nicole's AC is ridiculously loud. So shout out to her AC, which was so fun and I'm still recovering from that. Like we didn't even have that much to drink, right? But I think about that point, I mean, like I haven't had a lot of drinks because of the pandemic anyway, like consistently. So I know my tolerance is low, but like everyone was saying, like besides me, like we woke up the next day, we only had a few drinks, which would normally, and they were spaced apart and we had water. So that normally doesn't do anything. It might make you feel tired, but otherwise like you're fine. Like we all woke up and it was not like a hangover feeling, but like, it's like when your lips are dry, your throat is dry and you like kind of have that like funky feeling in your head of like Mm. that hangover feeling like not like you're gonna be nauseous or anything it's just like a weird feeling like you've had a little bit too much to drink so better or worse than when we went wine tasting with the girls Mm. that was a rough next morning yeah i'm trying to remember i feel because like i didn't drink as much as you guys did so i was yeah we were messes yeah you were I, I mean, I was kind of a mess, too, in that I cried when we got to the cider house. <laughs> but I just, like, was emotional that day. And, like, I cried outside the the wine tent at one of the vineyards we went to with Nicole. Mm. And then I cried when we got to the cider house because I was so excited to have cider. I feel like I cried I mean, when I we got to Taco Bell. I wasn't drunk or anything. Oh, my God. Everyone was crying when we got to Taco Bell. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was, I would say it was, like, probably the same level, but, like, we just had way less to drink. I think it was probably, like, that and, like, the heat. It was just all around a bad combination. That makes sense. Um. Well, yeah, wine tasting in November versus drinking in Philly summer. It's a huge difference. Yeah, and we were, like, walking around and stuff, and Mm -hmm. our dinner was on top of a sail, like, a huge, not a huge sailboat, but, like, a big boat. So pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful, but so hot because the sun was beating down on us so like we're trying to eat and drink and like the sun is down on us it's just it was like a lot anyway um 
yeah so that was my weekend and then oh i saw shay hello shay apparently she listens to our podcast i don't think she does i think she's just being very polite but if you are listening to this podcast type one two three (laughs) (laughs) what does that do (laughs) um but i visited the venice offices again which was nice it was just shay and um another girl there but it was Mm. was nice i picked up my mugs that i left my precious eintracht frankfurt mug and my icelandic mug i know the world is right again (laughs) Uh, so that was good and yeah nice I'm drinking what am I drinking I am drinking a Rhone Syrah right now fancy yeah (laughs) what are you drinking how was your week wait before I go into that I want to know where you guys went drinking in Philly oh um, we went to a place called Morgan's Pier. It was all along the pier. Um, so we went to Morgan's Pier, and then the boat was called Moshulu or something mm-hmm. like that. Moshulu, um, yeah. And then we went to the Liberty Bell Beer Garden, I think. Okay. Which was nowhere near my old stomping grounds, but I've I've been up there. I didn't organize it. It was all Nicole, and then Christina wants to go to this beer garden, and we only stayed there for a little bit. I think we were all kind of like getting tired by that point so do you remember the second beer garden oh no that was it that was just the liberty oh got it oh okay okay that's fair no um oh we went to the biggest wawa or something like that (laughs) i don't know i miss wawa so much i don't i don't know how to articulate to you how much i miss wawa I don't understand this fascination with Wawa. Like, it was nice. We got some stuff. We got some caffeine, and then we left. I, th- I mean, I've I've only lived and experienced Wawa as a college student, and it was so much better than other convenience stores I could have gone to as a college student. Like, your options mm-hmm. are so much more varied than like a Seven Eleven. Or a grocery store. Okay. Because you can get all sorts of different kinds of, like, mixed drinks. They had so many different kinds of, like, just, like, pressed coffee that you could get. Um, Lots of different, like, you know, normal convenience store, like, food, snack, beverage options. And then their sandwiches, like, that you can get so many different kinds of sandwiches. And so it was just having basically a Subway, a Starbucks and a 7-Eleven all in one place attached to my dorm because we had a Wawa attached to our dorm. Mm, so, like, nice. it, it was really it was great when you needed drunk mac and cheese and you didn't mm-hmm. want to cook it yourself. It was great when you needed 17 cups of coffee um, to stay awake when you were studying at 3 a.m. because it never closed, so you could always go in and they always had fresh coffee. Like, it was just perfect perfect for my college environment and I will forever love Wawa because of it. So I missed out on the real Wawa experience. That is correct, yeah. You need to like have a prolonged Wawa experience. A weekend won't. Okay. You can't explore the majesty of Wawa on a weekend. I mean like I've stopped at gas station Wawa's before but it was like to pick up water or something. Yeah, it's not the same thing. Gas in the car. Mm -mm. Okay. It's an experience. Okay. <laughs> it's the Disney World of convenience stores. 
Yes, that is correct. <laughs> okay. Wow, um, please sponsor us. <laughs> oh my god, please. Also, open one in San Francisco. <laughs> or Martinez, I think California. We have, I'd be fine with that. Do we have a Wawa nearby? Maybe we should, like, take a trip out to Wawa. Mm-mm. It's only Philadelphia, South Jersey, and Florida. Really? Wow. Maybe, I think they might go as far down as Delaware and maybe a little bit in Maryland, but otherwise, no. Oh, yeah. The closest one is Newark. We're not driving Sad. to Newark. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I am. I went there over the weekend. Well, went through there. I'm fine with not going for a while. I'm sorry, Nicole. You're in Princeton. It's too far. I cannot do that trip again. I'm making all of my friends in Princeton commute up to me on the one day I'm going to be in the city for work. <laughs> well, that's still easier, I feel like. Um, I took Amtrak, though, from princeton to new rochelle which then i had to drive from my parents place westchester nearby mm-hmm. to here which is another 45 minutes so like you combine all five it like kind of sucks it's like at least princeton to new york city it's a little bit shorter that's true anyways i'm drinking um yes <laughs> anyway sorry i just really <laughs> wanted to talk about philly since it was my old stomping grounds um I'm drinking a Chenin Blanc. Am I saying that right? That sounds right. Yeah, sure. Okay, so no, <laughs> but that's fine. I don't think I can even say it correctly. Like, I think that's the sort of name that if you don't have a French accent, you're not going to say it Chenin? Correctly. I don't know. No, Chenin. that was the worst. Chenin Blanc. Chenin Blanc. Sorry, French people. I'm not sorry. No apologies for me. Your language is weird. Um, anyway, so I'm drinking a... Blanc. Yep, that. I'm drinking one of those. It's not great, but you know what? We're here. And my week has been really busy. I know it's only Monday that we're recording this, but I am so busy, so stressed, trying to get a lot of stuff done before I leave for vacation, uh, and just there's a lot of, like, work to do and like wrap up to do and oh, it's been a really hectic day and tomorrow's gonna be a really hectic day we're doing an event for the analysts tomorrow at 6 a.m my time which i am not looking forward to um but in positive news Ouch. i'm now officially 26 <laughs> a year older my birthday was last week we're the same age for a couple Love of months, that. yeah. Yeah, for a couple of months. <laughs> our our months. little <laughs> bit of overlap that we always have. Yay! <laughs> Woo! Um, yeah, so birthday, had a nice lunch with friends. Friend, one friend, I only have one friend in <laughs> my local area. But that's fine. Um, I had We had a nice lunch out and... Then I went to a bookstore this weekend, bought a bunch of books that I did not That need. was the real party. Mm-hmm. Me alone at a Barnes & Noble. It's basically a rave, honestly. <laughs> it gets so wild. Uh, <laughs> but I bought, like, what, oh did, what did I say, like, eight books? Eight books, probably, on my little You walked splurge. into the camera that they can't see, but I can. You walked into the camera with a stack of books, and I was like, what? 
What did you do? Julie and I did a little book haul um, earlier. It was, you it was did fun. a book haul. <laughs> I did a book haul for Julia as my captive yes. audience. Uh, yes. It was it was great. My Out of the ones that I bought, my most anticipated reads from them are Ace of Spades and The Jasmine Throne. So one fantasy, one contemporary thriller. YA. The other one's adult. Jasmine Thorne's adult fantasy. Um, but very excited to dive into those. Once I finish my current read, the read the, which is one of them, The Imposter Syndrome. I'm also reading Throne of Glass. And then I got the second book in the Kiss of Deception series. Just came in from the library, so I'll probably start reading that soon. Too many books, but it's fine. Um, yeah. But... We're not here to talk about any of those books. We're here to talk about this savage song. Oh my god, that was the savage intro transition. I don't know why it, I called it an intro. I don't know either. It was this it is gonna was, be a great podcast. I'm just gonna be stumbling over the English language the entire time. And I'll just be sitting here chuckling. It'll be great. <laughs> chuckling into my wine. Uh, um, but no, we're here to talk about Chapter six through eight of this savage song, specifically verse one, chapter six through eight. This naming convention is never gonna sit with me. I'm never gonna say it right, but it's fine. We'll get through it. Um, but why don't we just dive right into it, Julia? Why don't you uh, kick us off with chapter six? I will. <clears throat> verse one, chapter six. All right, Dolores Umbridge. <laughs> Kate sees the first day of school as an opportunity to make an impression, wanting to rule the school to show she is capable of running the city. Stepping stones. (laughs) (laughs) Not because she wants to run either things, but because she doesn't want her father to see her as weak. She walks through the school, thinking about how similar monsters and teenagers are, both with hive hive mentalities. Savage. Yep. (laughs) She knows Colton will likely have some resistance, and she wants to seek out the kids who don't fit into the hive and gain power over them. They are all spreading rumors about her, and one girl, Charlotte, says she heard Kate's mom went crazy and tried to kill them off, kill them by driving off a bridge. Kate doesn't pay attention in class and afterwards follows Charlotte into the bathroom, and when Charlotte doesn't show fear, Kate shoves her against the wall, wanting to really hurt her because it would feel good. Basically threatens her life. She's such a little psycho. The girl threatens to tell the headmaster, but Kate says she won't because the medallion cannot protect Charlotte from Kate, only from other monsters. She says this all in a quiet, deadpan voice, trying to mirror her father's style of command. She lets Charlotte go and for a moment flashes back to her softer self, but recognizes she cannot be that girl, so steals herself and heads to class. Okay, in chapter seven, (laughs) we're with a sane person, uh, August, he was able to get out of PE for the semester, given his fake asthma that he does not have, uh, but really his dad didn't want him in PE because he wants to make sure that the tally marks on his body can stay hidden. He dips out of his study hall that he has instead of PE to go try and get his ID card printed in the empty office, but no matter how many times he takes the picture, his eyes are smudged in black on the picture. Upon the last retake, he is able to avert his gaze enough that there is no smudge, and so then he prints his ID card. 
As he leaves the office, Colin, who's his new best friend, calls out to him, flanked by a boy and a girl, Alex and Sam. Colin puts an arm around August and takes him to lunch with them. August doesn't eat, as we know, but Sam, who's the girl, is watching him, so he takes a bite of his apple, which is not appealing at all because it tastes like nothing. Uh, He flashes back to Leo, reminding him that it is people food, and when August retorted he is a person, Leo tells him he is not. Poor August. All the kids continue to gossip and chat, and August just observes, noting internally that he feels about music the way that humans feel about food. Alex asks August why he's a Colton, wondering if he got kicked out, and Colin alludes that Kate got kicked out of her last school. Alex keeps pushing August, and August says he was homeschooled. They ask where he lives, and the best thing he can say without lying because he can't lie is near the seam which makes them more fascinated because they don't think people are safe in the red even under harker's protection because this this area in the seam is is the red zone august looks at kate sitting alone in the lunchroom though seemingly happy to be so he keeps staring missing questions that colin is asking him Colin is inviting him to a concert that weekend, and Sam is shutting them down, saying that the concert is past curfew and basically in the waste, so it isn't safe, but Colin wants to live a little, saying they can't spend life afraid, which August nods along to, even though he is always afraid. <laughs> they continue. And that's to also ch- how every single bad scenario happens, is when one of the characters in a dystopian novel goes, let's live life to its fullest, and then someone dies. 100 percent yolo does not work well in dystopian novels. no you not. do only live once and your life will be cut very short very quickly yeah <laughs> there's two sides of the you, you only live once <laughs> exactly you're not a cat you will not always land on your feet <laughs> Oh, God. So they can, the kids continue to chat with August just nodding along, and then all of a sudden he feels hungry. They recognize that he seems funky, and he darts away uh, to get outside, trying to calm himself down and gain control. Outside, smoking a cigarette is Kate, asking if he had a bad day. Chapter 8. Kate is outside, wanting peace to think about her mother, when August stumbles out the doors. She asks if he had a bad day and recognizes him as Frederick Gallagher. She also asks if he is the new kid, and he replies she is as well. She realizes he may have a bit of a spine, which she didn't expect, and they trade nicknames back and forth. They chat a little, and she is hyper-focused on his eyes and the depths they contain, trying to figure out what he is. She offers a cigarette, and he declines, saying they'll kill you, to which she retorts most things around them will. She leaves and also leaves the door open for them to potentially be friends. By the end of the day, Kate is ruling the school with lots of girls trying to flatter her, which annoys her. She notes her father prefers monsters to men because monsters don't have ambition like these girls. She gets through the rest of the day and heads home to Harker Hall, the -the over-the-top building where they live. Kate compares it to a city she read about in a novel with a beautiful exterior that was rotten on the inside. She talks about her dad's rise to power, how even before the monsters appeared, he was in the black market working his way up, and then when the monsters appeared, he was able to control them, which people were willing to pay a lot for. She gets to the penthouse, and while she knows this is technically home, it is not the image of what she associates with home. However, she is determined to make it hers. 
So she calls out, but no one responds as her dad is locked up in his soundproof office. That's what every dad needs. That's what my dad needs. <laughs> he turns his volume up so high during his meetings. Oh, my God. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> yeah. She starts to work on her homework and looks at college brochures, knowing it can be a challenge to go to a college outside of Verity as the borders are open on a very limited basis with Verity, as the district is still in quarantine status because of the monsters. She plays with some medallions, then feels someone watching her and pulls a gun on them. It is a Malkai named Sloan, who has been by her father's side for years. She describes the Malkai basically a take on a vampire, and he turns the music down, noting she has barely been home and clearly has already found weapons, asking if she is going to shoot him. Before she can really respond, he has his hand on the gun because they are so fast. They talk about school, reluctantly on Kate's part, and she spe- speculates in her head if Sloane was born from a crime her father committed. She asks what he did to make herself her dad's favorite pet and if he learned new tricks. And he says he can listen and makes fun of her hearing loss. And that's the end of chapter eight. Why do we use the name Sloan? Why is that used in so many books? Have you ever had a book with a good character named Sloan? Or like a TV show for that matter? The Chosen One by Veronica Roth has a, has a, character named Sloan. She's she's one of the main characters, so we get, like, her POV. Um, it's a, also a woman's name, traditionally. It is, correct. Well, she's a woman in that book. Um, and, like, I knew a Sloan, a, a woman named Sloan growing up on my mom's soccer team. Um, but she was fine in The Chosen Ones. Like, she's a little rough around the edges, but she's, like, at the end of the day, somewhat morally gray but generally a a good person like good character um but I always think when it's being used for a man I think of Sloan the Butcher from Aragon oh (laughs) he was not a nice man (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's all I got but just like why is that name used in so many different fantasy books I I don't know like I know you know someone named Sloan but like I don't personally know anyone named Sloan IRL um I don't think I've heard it as a last name like also Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital but mm-hmm. never like for a first name for a person there's a TikToker whose last name is Sloan I think Sasha mm. Sasha Sloan she does Harry Potter stuff oh, she, she designed she model my... oh no I'm thinking Sasha Luss never mind she did what just win Miss Utah Oh, wow. <laughs> she designs my collage walls. Ah. That's how I know her. Um, Got it. But, okay, anyways. Weird name. <laughs> good good conversation. Yep. Uh, okay, general commentary. What do you got for chapter six? Um, I don't have a whole lot, but I just, like, she is so aggressive. It really, like, every time I feel like, she just keeps getting more aggressive and keeps surprising me. Like, how many more moves can you pull to, like, show that you are aggressive? Like, this is high school. I understand high school is a terror for people. And it is its own, its own like, governing body with, like, 
different cliques and Mm -hmm. people who rule the school. Like, she rules the school. But my God, it's just so dramatic. Maybe I'm getting old, but like, it feels so dramatic sometimes the way it's described, like how people are talking about other girls. Like, I really don't think, maybe I just went to too small of a school, but I don't remember anyone like openly talking about someone while they were passing by like that's something you did in the car like in the privacy of the car like leaving the school with your friends um i mean sometimes i feel like popular people would do it to assert dominance i don't know why you would do it in this situation that seems dumb uh but like charlotte is an idiot i've i've had confrontations like i had confrontations with girls at school Every so often. It was rare, but, like, it it happened. Um, not to the extent that, like, media plays it up for. Because it didn't typically tend to happen that it was all, like, right in your face that they say shit. But, like, oh, girls used to spread nasty rumors about me when I was in, like, middle school and high school. So it's not unheard of. I'm sure there were rumors about me, but, like, for the most part, I guess I just didn't care. <laughs> Some of mine were really shitty. Like, one girl was mad that she didn't make it on the soccer team, so she spread rumors that the only reason that I did is because I was on steroids. Oh my, okay, that's a weird rumor for, like, a high school kid. That was middle school. Even weirder for a middle school kid to do that. Uh, Another girl was mad that I was friends with her boyfriend and that I had a crush on him, so she spread rumors that I had, was plotting to kill her and also snuck into her boyfriend's house and stole his boxers because I like to smell them. That's disgusting. I know. <laughs> like, ew. That's, what? Like, it just, like, blows my mind the things that high school kids, middle school kids can think of. Right. Like, what goes through your mind? Like, you know that TikTok audio? Like, do you ever wonder what's going on inside their head? Like, that is middle school and high school girls. What is going Seriously. on inside their head? I I wonder all the time. But so I'm just saying, like, some crazy rumors were spread about me, and I didn't even do that much to, like, piss people off. So it doesn't surprise me that, like, rumors about Kate are spreading. It's just... But, like, that's my... That's my other thing, though, is, like, girls are much more... They're much quieter. Like, everything that they do... Yeah, they wouldn't be this obnoxious about it. Yeah. They would do that in private, and that's what that's what's making that. Well, that there we go. That's what makes them scary. Is that like they won't ever say it to your face. They will never say it in earshot unless they're like trying to be really aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll never say it with an earshot of the person they're talking about. So like to someone's face, they're gonna be super nice and try to get like on their right. good side usually. Like someone like Kate at least. Right. Um, yeah, so, the, like, that whole, like, sequence was so, like, I don't know. <laughs> anyway. Fair. Yeah. Um, do not miss high school. I didn't experience any bullying or anything um, on my end, so it's hard to relate, I guess, sometimes. But I'm glad that I did not. I, I'm glad I can't relate. <laughs> um, True. I don't think anyone can relate to Kate right now, though. I mean, she's on a different level uh, entirely. Um, she's I mean, in her I guess, own world. Yeah, I guess if I were in that kind of situation, I would want to be Kate, right? I would want to be the girl who 
asserts dominance and is feared because that really is in that situation the only way you're gonna probably make it through <laughs> without losing your self-esteem and everything I don't know. I personally, I'm so, I can't do violence. You're too nice. So, like, I'm way <laughs> too nice. I would just ignore it and, like, go read a book and focus on something else and make sure that my teachers knew that, like, none of it was true. You would be August. You would be much more reserved. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't, I don't think really I would be, have... like, Kate, like, shoving someone against the wall and threatening their life, but. I can relate and finding to that. joy in it. Like, that's the yeah. part that's crazy. Um, but, like, is she finding joy? That's the thing. Is she finding joy for herself or is she finding joy because she thinks she is doing her father proud? No, she was really pissed at Charlotte when she first pushed her up against the wall when she was like, mm, it'd be really fun to hurt her. Like, she's like holding the switchblade against her. <laughs> I think it's just. So- it's passed down from her father. I think she has her priorities in the wrong place right now. That is 100% an astute observation. Um, I do Thanks. think, so. like, <laughs> to that point, I think her interest in power is really fascinating in this chapter because she doesn't want power. She just wants to yeah. be able to not be seen as a liability. Yeah. And, like, those are two very different things. That's so true. In my mind. It's like she's just trying to get to a baseline where she is safe and secure rather than, like, craving this power. Like, I don't actually think she's that ambitious. She just wants to hit a baseline where she feels secure. Mm. Because right now she feels very insecure. Yeah. Um... But, like, just getting into the details, I mean, not too much of, like, her shoving Charlotte, was that her name? Up against the wall. Yeah. But, like... Charlotte, what was it? Charlotte Chapel? <laughs> what a dumb What name. a name. <laughs> but, like, I'm sorry, she has metal-tipped nails that she's, like, scratching on her. Honestly, I love that. I thought that was great. I would like, do that if I could do that. Metal-tipped nails and a legit switchblade that she pulls on someone in high school. I just... Just thinking about this now, I know I said I didn't have any political commentary. I lied because, like, can you imagine a non-white person doing this and getting away with it? No way in hell. No. Absolutely not. The amount of privilege that this but, like, white girl has with white, weapon fingers. She has status and she is scary yeah she's gonna get away with it she's gonna get away with murder probably <laughs> how to get away with murder <laughs> the kate harker edition <laughs> yeah um also who in their right mind watches a documentary on cult leaders and is like mm, yes i want to emulate this <laughs> someone whose priorities are mixed up I just, every time something gets brought in a book about, like, cults and brainwashing, I go, because it freaks me out. Don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like how people fall victim to it. I don't like how easy it is to prey on the insecurities of the average person, and I don't like it. And I don't want Kate using that as inspiration for anything, personally. And then my last comment is just, like, all we're seeing in this chapter with her is all these sharp edges, 
but clearly like as we see at the very end of the chapter there's a softness in her and she is suppressing it so hard and I just I want the softness to come out and play a little bit so we can make sure that she's not literally a sociopath <laughs> that's all I want I know that's all I have for chapter six yeah it was a short chapter mm-hmm. um chapter seven what are you, what are your thoughts on chapter seven um I will probably say this for every August chapter but I just I love how his brain works like, I just love reading his inner monologues because the more he panics about the ID card, it's basically like his brain starts to crescendo and add more instruments, right? Using his mm-hmm. music metaphors. Because then it's like, he's not just thinking about the ID card. He's thinking about conversations with Leo. He's thinking about the girl singing on the train. He's thinking about his insecurities. And like all of these new instruments start to come in and it starts going faster and intermingling more and getting louder and louder and louder in his head. And it's just so fun to read how literally his brain feels like a symphony. Oh, I just love it. And his innate desire to feel like a person, not even necessarily a human, but to feel like he is a person, is just heartbreaking. Like, he wants to feel normal and wants to fit in. And he is so focused on that that he can't embrace all the things that make him unique that still make him a person. Like, he has personhood. He has agency. Um... But he's so focused on the things that make him different from human personhood that he can't focus on all the other things that make him a person. And, I don't know, it just, it felt really, even though obviously he's a monster and, like, actually not human, it just, all of his anxiety feels very relatable to the teenage experience. And it just both warms and breaks my heart at the same time. Yeah, I agree. Mm. This is probably a minor comment, but when they're talking to Alex, Alex is like, what'd you do to get kicked out of your last school? And he says, like, something, something, and then he's like, bang a teacher? And I was like, wait, in what world does having sex with a teacher require you to be removed from the school? Shouldn't your teacher be removed That's true. I didn't even think of that. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Like, what the hell, Alex? The teacher should be removed for exploiting a minor. But then I thought about it and I was like, wait a second, a lot of times both get removed or it takes too long to get the teacher Mm. removed so the kid transfers to get into a more safe environment. Also, does August look like the type of kid who's going (laughs) to bang a teacher? Like, I know Alex, I don't know August very well, but from his demeanor alone, I think that you could say that he's a very reserved kid. He is a very reserved kid, but sometimes... That's what predators will Those go for. the deadliest. Yeah. Because they won't spill the beans. They'll just be happy to get some attention. Oh, that's attention. true. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Especially boys who, like, don't fit in very well and, like, don't feel like they're getting other kinds of attention from their peers may be really open to getting attention from, like, an older female teacher. Mm. That's sad. Yeah. Well, not to get political. <laughs> well, it's not really political. That's not really political. Don't prey on minors, no, anyone. Don't like, prey period. on minors, please. It's um, just like, also, it's just like, why? I don't, I don't, like that entire, it's so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Um, and then the last 
thing, and I, I honestly, I feel like it's something we probably learn later in the book, I just don't remember. Like, I don't remember what I know and what I'm just, like, correlating in my head or, like, making up. Um, but I'm just interested in diving more into how his hunger manifests. Like, not only if slash how he can control it, but also if it has, like, trigger points or certain things that cause it to come on faster. I thought it was just interesting, like, it was right after he laughed, right, that this seemed to come on. And, like, I, I don't, is it based on emotions? Like, is it when he's feeling emotionally I don't want to sound stable but like he's feeling emotions more almost that it like triggers it or something because like up until now he's been very quiet and very passive with mm-hmm. his emotions mm-hmm. um I mean he's like been anxious, other than panic like, <laughs> yeah um but nothing like outwardly emotional um mm-hmm. so I don't I'm very, I am very interested in learning more. <laughs> I don't know anything about his hunger. I don't know how it works. Like, why did he run outside to get fresh air? Why did the fresh air make him feel better? Is it being inside? I don't, I don't know. Well, Maybe I think that's a lot of anxiety. Times. Well, yeah, I think a lot of the way it probably feels, based on the way he was describing it, is probably similar to when you're having, like, a panic attack or an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. that, like, you need open space. Like, you can feel yeah. claustrophobic, you can feel closed in if there's too many people around you. Um, so you need, like, personal space to just, like, sit, breathe, regather, regroup, um, and try to get mm-hmm. it under control. Because if you don't have it under control, and you're not in a safe space, which this doesn't seem like it felt like a safe space for him, you just need to get to a place where you can feel safe. Yeah. Okay, what do you have other thoughts for chapter seven? Uh, I just like love the way that Alex and Sam were introduced. Like, it, I like, I guess, when authors just don't allow us to know more than the characters sometimes know. So it was like funny to hear Colin being like, This is Alex and Sam, and not telling us or telling August which one's Alex and which one's Sam. In my mind, for some reason, Alex is, like, Alex was the guy and Sam was the girl. I don't know why. Maybe it's, like, iCarly or something. <laughs> but, like, I was I was so confused um, until that was clarified. I just thought it was funny um, that August was, like, one of them is Alex and one of them is Sam. I don't know which one is which, but okay. <laughs> Hello. Thing one and thing two. Just you like need a, a label. Yeah, I thought it was just a cute little introduction. <laughs> it was. Um... I am not, I'm not concerned about them. Like, everyone who interacts with August, I get so worried. Like, what if they start digging too deeply? So, like, when Alex kept pushing for more things from August, I was like, why? What's the motive here? Uh, is Nosy August, teenagers. August have all the right questions or all the right answers? Yeah. Um, so, I was, like, anxious for him, even though he was, like, perfectly fine. Um, which was but that's interesting. He, like, fair. Yeah. He can't I just thought lie. it was interesting that I was more anxious than him, but... I mean, he probably practiced with his dad for some of these questions, like, That's true. you know... They're basic to... questions. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
it's it's I think it's a fair anxiety like I always feel anxiety when August is in a conversation where he has to pretend to be Freddy because he can't lie so Mm -hmm. like the options for how he can answer questions are automatically somewhat limited right yeah back to our uh our mentality of speaking like a fae (laughs) (laughs) and then uh at the very beginning with the whole um retaking the photo sequence for the id i know that it was because of um the whole monster thing and as you said he wants to be like very human and like at that moment we really get him being like very worried about being a monster but um it just reminds me so much of like me and like taking anyone really who's like self-conscious about how they look in photos like it's just relatable in that like you want to keep retaking the photo until it looks good yeah um so it felt very metaphorical almost like that was just for us not necessarily for august <laughs> the millennials and their instagram <laughs> no i yeah anyway that was it for chapter seven for me okay what about chapter eight i love their i was like waiting for them to interact when in chapter seven when august mentioned kate and like seeing her sitting at the table as like oh my god is this the moment like i don't like is kate gonna like walk over or something and like introduce herself like i don't know why she would (laughs) um but I'm really glad that we get to see them interact in chapter eight. And I was not disappointed. I thought it was a great little discourse. Like August clearly held his own without being like, he's the perfect balance of like holding his own without being aggressive. Like yeah. it's the minute that someone turns aggressive that I think Kate is like, whoa, let's calm down here, friend. Yeah. Um, but like he impressed her enough that he had witty comebacks. Um, I'm really glad that she clearly hasn't recognized that he is not human. Um, that did worry me when she was like, oh, maybe? Well, I feel like he kind of got away with it when she was, like, talking about his eyes. And, like, that was the moment I was like, okay, like, okay, his eyes. are they, Is this the giveaway? But then she's like, is he here? Is he there? Where is he? I want to know. And I was like, okay, maybe he's just, like... That, like, lonesome guy, you know, that the mystery guy that everyone wants to get to know better. What is he? Who is he? So mysterious. Why is he? Why is he? <laughs> Maybe that's Kate's type. <laughs> um, I'm sad that she smokes, so I relate to August. <laughs> it does kill you. But whatever. Some sort of advice. Um... <laughs> She has to be cool, yeah. Julia. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway. It's so dumb. I, like, characters... My annoyance with characters who smoke is it's fine. Like, if you want to make your character smoke, do your thing. But don't make your character come across as being, like... I mean, I guess she's not necessarily described as being athletic, but, like, it's that idea of, like, she is, like, on top of her game... And then she also smokes. Like, health, scientifically speaking, right? Like, smoking really ruins your lungs and, like, right. ruins a lot of your body. Like, you cannot be healthy and be a smoker. 
So, like, that always kind of, like, annoys me. Like, did you really think this through for the character? I don't think you did. Um, so that's a flaw. That's the first flaw, though, that I think that I've, I've been annoyed about with this book, so. Fair. Um, I really love, okay, I have this thing. I don't know why. I really love when authors insert this, like, she's home, but she's not really home. I love that. Like, my thing has always been, I mean, like, you have your home. Like, I always feel like I'm home in Vermont, Mm -hmm. but it's not really home home. Like, your home is your people, right? That's what I like. And I feel like that's kind of where this is going is, like, home is a person. Right. It's not a place. It's also not Um, her dad. (laughs) It's not her dad. Like, that's the whole point. It's like, her dad is not her person. It's not her home. Right. Um, She doesn't have a home right now because she doesn't have a person. Right. Or people. She has Mm -hmm. no friends. She's alone. That's why she doesn't feel like she's at home in her home. I love those kinds of narratives. I don't know why, because it just feels so, like, real. I think it's because it sets you up for found family later on, and you really like yes, found, I family. Love found family. Yes, <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do. Um, the whole sequence with Sloan was so weird to me. Like, I don't know why. I immediately thought of. Oh my god! I need to bring this up with pop culture but I'm bringing it up now because and like I can't get it out of my head like Blade Runner <laughs> with I know this is like I can't believe I'm doing this already but like I, I like even thinking about it now I'm like oh my god it's Blade Runner with the rich guy who has this robot who is like obviously like in this case it's a monster but like they're super attached and like do stuff for each other and blah 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 like I don't know why, like, I can't get that out of my head. So, like, in my mind, Sloane is, like, this robot character, which I know he's not, but... A vampire <laughs> robot! Oh, my yeah. gosh! You see, I, like, just can't get it out of my head. So, like, I don't know. I don't like Sloane. Sloane really worries me. He seems like a brown noser. <laughs> I didn't like how he spoke to Kay. Um Yeah. He's the worst. He's very slimy. I don't... I got that immediately, so... Yeah. Yeah, very slimy. Um, what we do learn, though, throughout that whole interaction is Kate's been aggressive, 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 but when she has the gun pulled on him, she lacks the conviction to pull the trigger. Oh, Why do you think is that is? Point. She can't follow through. She doesn't have the confidence. Is it confidence or is it a smart decision? I don't know. Oh, are you waiting for an answer? Yeah, I am. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. I think... I mean, I think that she's probably thinking, like, I'm not going to pull the trigger on Sloane, who is my dad's, like, favored pet. Why mm-hmm. would I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's also a mix of, like, a lack of confidence. Like, if she were to actually be put into a position where she has to do real damage, would she actually do it? Well, I think it's a a measure of insecurity that she thinks if she does do it, her dad won't be on her side in the decision. Mm -hmm. So she 
probably has all around a bad situation there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Why I did you hold that weapon. Right. Well, and I just I'm just putting this out here, not going one way or the other. But it's also interesting, especially thinking about the fact that Sloane's branded. Right? Like, we know that people pay mm-hmm. for the protection um, of Harker, right? To keep the monsters from hurting them. But Harker has to have some way to reassure and keep the monsters in line so that they follow his orders. So if one of the monsters that's high up in the ranks turns up dead, what does that oh, mean? Oh, that's a bad thing. Yeah, you're right. See? You were right. I I, well, I've read that. the book, so. Yeah. There's <laughs> there's a that's whole hierarchy. two perspectives here, because I'm right. focused on the high level and you're focused on the details. There's a whole hierarchy we haven't been introduced to yet, and it's going to be a while before we are. So it'll be interesting to revisit the Kate's decisions and approach for later mm. on. Um, I also think that it's hard if, like, you're the only witness to explain yourself. Like, it's a lot easier if lots of people witness what's going on to explain that why yeah. you made the decision that you made was the right one. Um, I I don't know if you picked up on this, but I did want to point out because I thought it was interesting when Kate is walking into Harker Hall, there's all the classical music, like, playing in the background, almost like elevator music. Mm-hmm. And she makes a comment. She's like, mm, classical music, fine in very small doses, but otherwise it's noxious. Oh, I didn't even think about that. And I- it's interesting that little Miss Kate here has such a negative reaction to classical music when it's August's favorite thing. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what it means, but thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, I just, I I didn't catch that on my first read, but I caught it this time, and I was like, hmm, interesting. Hmm. I love that each of their homes reflects the values of their families. Like, Harker Hall is cold, sinister, dark, but beautiful at the same time. It shows that there can be beauty in darkness, but that you don't want to trust the opulence around you. Whereas, like, August's home in the barracks is, like, pure chaos, <laughs> very run down, but it's, like, it's loving, it's caring. Like, even though they can be gruff, they clearly all look out for one another. It's very community-oriented, um, and the sprawling complex with, like, the small rooms and the homey kitchen reflect that. So, I just thought that that was an interesting contrast, now that we've seen both of their homes. Mm. Um, I know that the explanation again is a little bit clunky in the way that Victoria Schwab writes it but I'm glad that we get the delineations between the Malkai in Schwab's world and what like typical vampire lore is so like the Malkais are essentially vampires but they're not right like they can go out in the sun if they need to there's none of the old typical lore stuff like garlic and crosses and any of that bullshit um so they're a lot more like low-life vampires in, like, the Vampire Diaries kind of a vibe, but they can't go out in the sun. They just don't look human, necessarily. Um, But also, I thought it was interesting that they need to be killed with metal through the heart. 
like that's they one need I've to never... be killed or is that just like is it just like they happen to also be able to be killed because haha everyone can be killed like that no well i mean yeah everyone can be killed like that but that's the only way they can die metal through oh, the heart okay. so it's you couldn't kill them with a stake you couldn't kill them if you did anything but the heart it has to be metal through the heart which is different from typical vampire lore Oh, but okay, it, yeah, I'm not but it, my vampire lore. <laughs> well, because normally it's a wooden stake, right? But, like, oh. this is metal, which makes sense for all of the classes, right? Because, like, for both the Corsi and the Malkai, that's why they have the medallions to protect them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got it. Uh, that, otherwise, was all I had for Chapter 8. Did you have anything else? Nope. Pop culture. Let's go. All right, what do you yeah. have for chapter six? I have one. Okay. It's a good one, I think. <laughs> I'm so ready. Mean Girls. The sequence where she is walking past and, like, filling us in on what the girls are saying around her just sounded so mean girls. Like, listen to this. I heard she burned her last school down. I heard she's been to jail. I heard she drinks blood like a Malkai. <laughs> like, it sounds like that whole sequence of Mean Girls where they're like, one time she slapped me in the face. It was amazing. <laughs> her hair's so time, big, it's full of secrets. <laughs> one time, she, she wore a blah, blah, blah. So I wore a blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just, like, so funny. Did you know she acts a student? Psychopath killer. Like, I don't know. It just reminds me so much of Mean Girls. And then, um... There's this paragraph. It was natural. There were always those who wanted to challenge the ruling power to stake their own claim to authority or popularity or whatever it was they were after. And Kate could usually pick them out within the first few days. They were a disruption to the hive mind, those few, and she knew she'd have to deal with them as soon as possible. On the other end, that reminded me in Mean Girls of the very end where Lindsay Lohan char- Lohan's character is like, we know how to take care of the those like wannabe plastics and then like pretends that they get hit by a bus even though they don't um yeah uh i I also had a mean girls reference for this chapter um i would say it but mine was when she's comparing kate comparing the teenagers to the monsters originally and like talking about how there's not that much of a difference between monsters and teenagers because they have (laughs) this hive mind and everything reminded me of like initially when she's comparing the high school to the animal kingdom yeah yeah basically the whole chapter is mean girls (laughs) it's all mean girls because this entire like this is probably the most modern current chapter that we're gonna read i'm guessing it's like going through high school social hierarchies and stuff Mm -hmm. like that's never gonna change clearly um yeah this is true that was all i had for chapter six what did you have um so i also thought that like kate at the beginning of chapter six kind of when she's describing like why she wants the power and like what the power is for it was the perfect iteration of what you get if you combined Jude and Cardin into one person. Because, like, Jude wants power for the sake of having power. A little bit because she doesn't want to get stuck at the bottom of the totem pole, but also because she wants control over things. And, like, Cardin 
doesn't really want power, but knows that he needs to play at it and is good at it so that people respect him enough to leave him alone. So I think if you, like, combine the two of them into one person, you get Kate at the beginning of this chapter. And it just, like, struck me. Like, the combination of their Slytherin and Hufflepuffness into one person. (laughs) That's so true. Yeah. I love that you just did a double pop culture reference there. Crafty like that. (laughs) Uh, And then, okay, anytime... This is kind of gross, but anytime anyone says in a book or a movie or anything, they're like, I am my father's daughter. I just think of that scene in Pitch Perfect after they have the big vomit fight and Aubrey, (laughs) Aubrey's like, I am my father's daughter. And when he says to get out of Kuwait, like whatever the hell she says, but she's talking about like how her dad was like super mean to her growing up and that's why she's such a hard ass on all of the girls and I was like mm-hmm, yep pitch perfect because it's the exact same quote so ah okay <laughs> I haven't seen pitch perfect in like years I watched oh it gosh. recently with Skyla that's why it's mm. top of mind uh and then the just, like, all of the whispering on the first day of school when she has to kind of, like, walk through and ignore it and, like, keep her head held high very much reminded me of the pilot episode of Veronica Mars. I'm glad that you brought up Veronica Mars again. It's been a whole episode since you last made a reference to Veronica Mars. (laughs) I can't help it. (laughs) It's set in high school. True. What, what are you going to do? She's a little detective. I don't know what. <laughs> uh, okay, chapter seven. What do you got? Two very random references. <laughs> that whole uh, the ID card thing, and, like, basically, like, it reminded me of getting your picture taken for school, like your school yearbook photo and stuff. Remind me of 13 going all 30 when she... Has to go get her photo taken, and I think she actually blinks in the photo, and that's what ends up in the yearbook, and she's so embarrassed, but, like, for him, it was, like, a good thing that he blinked in the photo, mm-hmm. but, yeah, that <laughs> reminded me of 30 going on 30. <laughs> I told you it was a random reference. I don't know I why I thought it. of it. I love it. And then when he's talking about how the food tastes very bland, again, I'm going to just preface this by saying I do not I'm not up to date on my vampire lore like I really do not know that much about vampires except that they suck blood um but in the city of bones the book series because I I don't know uh what the tv series did um Mm -hmm. when I guess spoiler when Simon gets turned into a vampire as I recall he actually has a whole thing about how bland regular food now tastes to him Mm-hmm. Um, I could be mixing up with another book, but I'm pretty sure it's Simon who goes, and, he, like, he has to go to dinner with his mother or something, and he's, like, worried because he doesn't want to eat the food. It's not, like, not the food, but it's, like, him, and... Right. Um, it reminded me of August talking about how the food, like, he's basically having to eat it to, like, fit in. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't really like it. It's, it doesn't do it for him anymore. Um, yeah. Or ever. It's never done it yeah. for him because he's yeah, never yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, that's very normal with most vampire lore. Like, I'm pretty sure Edward says the same thing. 
for Twilight. He's just like, but I don't think he can digest it, so they have to, like, throw it up later, which is so gross. Um, But I've seen that in a couple of different, a couple of different vampire-related things, so it's, Uh, I also had a thing for the picture, actually I had two things for the picture one, but one's a really generic one, so I'll save that one for a second. But again, these like tangential references that I have for Victoria Schwab to Addie LaRue, because like she writes them differently, but because it's the same author, like I can't not see it when she describes things, if that makes sense. So like Mm -hmm. in Addie LaRue, the main character, Addie, there's a whole thing about her. I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't read the book, but she can't be captured in pictures so like if you ever see her in a picture she's like a blur in the corner or like she won't fully develop if someone takes a picture of her so like the fact that his eyes won't develop and like won't actually show up on the camera reminded me a lot of that i feel like there's also a horror movie that i've watched where like kind of the opposite where like you take a photo and that's when you see the monster in the (laughs) yeah yeah, 100%. Those are always creepy. Like, anything with photos, like, it's so creepy. I feel like that happens in either The Ring or The Grudge, or both of them. Not The Ring, because okay, that's where the grudge. you watch the video and she kills you. <laughs> Great! So, The Grudge. Yeah. It happens in The Grudge. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Because I think one of the main characters, like, works at a photo company or something. Um, but, like, also in general, like, every time in general pop culture like I think this happens a lot in Supernatural but it may happen in a couple of other places too anytime demons ever get photographed or recorded in like pop culture their eyes always show up like bright yellow or like completely black even if that's not their outward appearance Right? But, like, that's how their eyes will show up because, for whatever reason, cameras capture it all. Um, And so that's a normal thing that we see in a lot of, like, monster or demon Mm -hmm. current pop culture. Like, Supernatural is a good one, I think, because you always see the black eyes when they're caught on camera. But I've seen it on other things where it's, like, they'll pass in front of a mirror or pass in front of a camera and you'll see their true form. It's creepy AF. (laughs) Uh, and then Colin going out of his way to make August feel included reminds me of the humans with Bella on the first day of school in Twilight. Like, specifically, I think it's Eric in the movies and Jessica in the books, but they're like, come hang with us, have lunch with us, this will be so much fun, oh my god, you're new, welcome, ah! And Bella's just like, I don't want to mingle, but I also have nothing better to do, so. Great. Who doesn't want to be friends with Anna Kendrick? Come on, Bella. (laughs) She was incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then the way August talks about food as, like, an experience, one that he doesn't understand and can't relate to, reminds me so much of Captain Holt from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. There's, like, this one episode where him and Boyle... Um, so Captain Holt's trying to understand food because he wants to cook something nice for his husband's, like, birthday or for their anniversary or something. And so he goes to Boyle, who's the resident food uh, expert in the district, and he's like, Boyle, teach me how to be, like, 
a chef. And Boyle's like, I'm, I've been waiting for this day for my whole life. And then he's like, Captain Holt, tell me your favorite food. And Captain Holt will be like, a piece of white bread with peanut butter in the middle with no flavor because I just want the nutritional value with at least flavor as possible. And so Boyle's trying to like teach him how to have this experience and this like relationship with food and he has zero interest in it because he just wants straight up nutrients injected into his body. He does not care about the taste at all. (laughs) It's a great episode. Highly recommend uh Colin always being hungry and like talking about the different food reminded me of Colin from the concealed when they're all in the mess hall and he was always hungry slash trying to get Evelyn to eat and I was like the Collins (laughs) Alex was giving me really strong Kenji vibes while he was interrogating August he was like, but what about this? But did you do this? Did you bang your teacher? Like, why did you do this? And I was like, oh, oh my that's God. 100% early Kenji. I so love there's, Kenji. Kenji really needs his own spinoff. He has a spinoff, a novella. No, like a series. Oh, fair. That's fair. After everything else, like him and uh, yeah. that one girl. Running off into the sunset together. That'd be great. <laughs> Just some fluff fiction. Would love it. But yeah, he was giving me really strong Kenji vibes. Not as cool as Kenji, but Kenji vibes. Um, and then, I don't know what it was at all, but something about the group of, like, Colin, Alex, and Sam was giving me Outer Banks vibes. Like, especially when they were talking about going to the party in the middle of nowhere, and Sam was very much like Kiara. She's like, you're all idiots. What are you doing? And they're like, no, the party will be fun. Let's go. Yeah. Who cares if it's past curfew? We'll figure it out. And then I feel like August will, like, be the reluctant one in Pope. Like, just joining along, but does not want to be there. Just trying to focus on his grades and getting by. Exactly. But then Colin and Alex are, like, combo between John B. and JJ. I see that. I like that. Mm-hmm. Also, you could say, like, a little bit like the golden trio between the three of them, but more rough around the edges, which is why I went with Outer Banks. But, yeah, nice. that's all I had for Chapter 7. What about Chapter 8, Julia? I had one. Okay. I think it's a pretty big one. I don't think you've ever seen it. Sex Education, the Netflix series. Such a good series. Um, I love all the characters. But when Kate and August are talking, like, first of all, I just, like, I know I said this before, but I really just loved their first interaction. I thought it was so fun to read. Um, it reminds me a lot of Maeve and Otis, who are the two of the main characters in Sex Education. Otis is more like August where he's like kind of reserved. Otis is a little more um, bumbly than August is. August is much more uh, put together when he's trying to talk to Kate versus Otis trying to talk to Maeve, who is the cool girl at school, like too cool for school, doesn't care about what other people say about her. When Otis is talking to her, he's just like a mess. But um, 
they kind of build up this funky, funny little friendship of sorts. Um, for them, it's based on like a business deal, which I could almost see that happening for like Kate and August. Like maybe Kate finds something about August that she can use to her advantage or something. I don't know. Um, I always love those kinds of relationships though. But it, it was their kind of like, like interaction. I don't know. That reminds me so much of the way that Maeve and Otis react. And like as Otis gets his confidence and like, um, Maeve kind of softens a bit throughout the series, mm-hmm. which I'm expecting is going to happen to August and it's going to happen to Kate, respectively. Like, um, I think it's going to... I'm, like, excited to see if they're, they're going to be, like, very similar because I love those kinds of interactions. Especially if, like, they're kind of, like, softening each other or, like, changing each other. I love those. Ah, uh, love that kind of character development. Yeah, So good. We'll have Where's to mine? see... Yeah. Okay. Uh, you're gonna hate me for this reference, so I'm sorry in advance. I'm not sorry. Um, but when Kate is like, ah, yes, this is my office. You're intruding. Um, when he walks outside and he's like confused that the whole outside is her office because he takes it literally for a second. It reminds me of Josh Bryant from The Princess Diaries, the movie. When he, when she, like, comes up to her locker and he's like, Mia, step into my office. And then he walks her out, like, to another place outside, five feet away, but they are still completely outside, not in an office. And then he asks her to the Baker Beach Bash. I love that, though. (laughs) That's so funny. Outdoor offices. What can you do? Yeah. Yeah. In completely different scenarios here, obviously, but, you know, that outdoor office reference. Uh, the back and forth, I, I know this is different, I recognize this is different because Kate is actually smoking her cigarettes, but the back and forth on the cigarettes, um, when August is like, it'll kill you, and she's like, everything will kill you, uh, reminded me a lot of, um... Hazel and Gus from The Fault in Our Stars. When he always oh holds God. the cigarette between his yeah. lips, he's like, it's a metaphor. Oh my gosh. And everyone started quoting that for years to come. Yeah. I don't remember anything else about that book. I remember they went to the Anne Frank house. There is a death at the end. I will not spoil it if you haven't read the book or watched the movie. Uh, and the cigarette thing. That's all I remember about The Fault in Our Stars. I probably read that book at least three times. Contemporary does not fun. stick in my head at all. I was never really a big John Green fan except for Looking for Alaska. I don't know. I liked Looking for Alaska. I liked Paper Towns. I liked The Fault in Our Stars. I was obsessed with Looking for Alaska. Like, I could have written papers about that in high school. Why? Looking back at it, I don't know. <laughs> he just... Especially in a lot of his earlier books, he does a lot of, which I think is a lot of reasons why people don't like him, he does, like, the manic pixie dream girl situation. I just, like, the, like, I remember looking for Alaska, the metaphor, and, like, see, I like, it still sticks with me, it's been years since I read it, is that you, um, like, the maze of life, like, how do you get through the maze, and, like, that was the whole metaphor for the entire book, it's, like, um, Alaska chose the 
straight and fast route to get through the maze of life but like in reality you have to like wind your way and like find your way around it and like Mm -hmm. i don't know like in high school for me that i guess like the kind of like the cigarette metaphor for some people in Mm -hmm. um that book the other book uh the maze of life for me was like the big thing that I always talked about. I was like, yeah, you got to get through the maze of life. <laughs> I <Yo>. know. <laughs> I don't think John Green's books work well for people outside of that age demographic. Like no, some YA, terrible. some YA works really well for both adults and young adults. Some YA really only belongs as YA. And that's fine. It's just a different demographic. Like, those books worked for us in high school as the coming-of-age stories or, like, the tangential to Mm coming-of-age stories that I think we needed either to see ourselves reflected in something or to better understand what other kids our age were going through. Um, But they don't age Mm -hmm. well once you're out of that demographic, which, again, is fine. Like, John Green is for the most part, his YA is no longer really for me, but I still appreciate it for what it was when I was that age, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, that was a huge impact on me when I was in, like, ninth, eighth, ninth grade, Mm -hmm. um, eighth grade, I guess, uh, and now looking back at it, I, like, I can't really relate to it. Right, and I liked The Fault in Our Stars, I liked, uh, Paper Towns, um, but I liked them more I in high school. I hated Paper Towns. I remember that. I, like, hated Paper Towns. Because that was, like, the true manic pixie dream girl. Oh, it 100% was. But wasn't it based in Orlando, or am I making that up? I don't remember. I have no idea. But there was something about it that I really connected with when I was... I think the reason I connected with it in high school is because I was never brave enough to sneak out of my house or do anything against the rules. And so I just loved escaping into a story with people who were risky enough to do that and who had that Mm. adventure in their life because that was never going to be mine and I was okay with that but like it was nice to get to escape into someone else's head doing that I think that's why I liked it as a teenager um that makes sense yeah turtles all the way down I remember really liking I don't remember the details about it but I remember liking it and I'm really excited to read his first nonfiction book, which just came out, like, a month ago. Um, the Anthropocene Reviewed, which is, like, loosely based off of his podcast of the same name, where he just writes a series of essays about things created by humans. And he, like, reviews them, but also writes all these, like, metaphors. And it's, like, a very literary essay kind of book, just talking about things that have been created by humans. And then he writes them based on their value to his own life. I just think it's going to be a super good book. I'm going to probably do it via Audible. Okay. Because I like the podcast, so. Um, anyway, that has nothing to do with what we were talking about. <laughs> super long tangent. It's not, it's not a real podcast until we're on a tangent. <laughs> I know, but a John Green tangent's pretty low for us. I know. His Vlogbrother stuff is better than his books, in my mind. I love him as, like, a thought influencer. I just don't need his books anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, my last reference, again, anytime this happens in a high school environment, I know Kate doesn't want her little female high school minions, but if she took up the offer for all of the female high school minions that presented themselves to her... She could 100% be Blair Waldorf 
because the idea of private school high school minions is gossip girl like that's what that half of what that book was based off of and kate is basically a less strategic more evil version of blair waldorf blair waldorf would cry from kate i know <laughs> so would serena 100 percent. she would bully oh, yeah. the shit 100%. out of both of them <laughs> yep but that's also because Blair Waldorf needs the validation that she gets from having her minions around her. Kate does not. Yeah. So, those were all. Lone Wolf is the scariest. <laughs> that is true. Uh, those those were my pop culture references. All right. MVP? You go first. Uh... Okay, I'm going to give my MVP to Sam, I think, um, because she just felt very perceptive. Um, Like, I know we don't want to put August in situations where he is panicking, but, like, she was, like, clearly picking up on the fact that he wasn't eating, but she wasn't, like, being malicious about it. She just wanted to make sure everything was okay, like Mother Henny, kind of. Uh, and mm, then she, yeah. same thing where she was like, you idiots, you cannot go to this concert in the waste after curfew. What is wrong with you? She's just trying to keep her friends alive. And I just, I appreciated her thoughtfulness in approaching all of her conversations. And I'm excited to get to know her more. Okay. That's fair. I'm going to give my to Kate. Because Ooh. I think she took that first day with a lot of confidence that... I don't think she necessarily completely has like I feel like there were times where she was kind of convincing having to convince herself like I'm good like I am the leader of the school like bow down to me but it was like more like inner monologuing to herself being like you can do it you got this make your father proud um and then we get at that the end with Sloan that what moment of kind of like defeat almost where maybe she shouldn't have picked up the weapon um, in the face of somebody who's who knows her and knows her weakness mm-hmm. and knows where he stands. Like that was it was a momentary slip up that I think is probably gonna hurt her later on. Yeah. Um, and I, I I feel for her. Like it's a lot to take on the first day of school like that to come home to not really a home. Um, so I guess kind of a pity MVP, (laughs) but yeah. So fun fact, even between the two of us across the last three episodes, so that's six MVPs in total, we have not repeated a person. I'm proud of us. Nice. A plus for us. You picked the main characters the last two episodes, um, but that's okay. (laughs) I'm sure I'll cave and pick one of them eventually when I can't find a random tangential character. I'm doing them now before they, like, do something that annoys me. Do you really think August will ever annoy you? Probably not, but... Kate will, 100%. Oh, yeah. For sure. But that's why we call it character growth. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, God. All right. What about your wine reveal? Okay. It's good. I was saying before we started this podcast how, like, 
I really have to think about the wines and the drinks because in the past it's been a lot easier just like there's I guess I don't want to say that the characters were denser or the plots were denser but like these two characters are so different they we're are. doing you know like three or so chapters at a time so we're getting both of their perspectives Mm-hmm. And trying to find wines that suit what is going on in their heads, like for both of them, is actually kind of hard. Right. So I went with, and I'm going to say this, pronounce this incorrectly, and I'm so sorry to all the Spanish speakers out there. A Spanish mencia. M-E-N-C-I with the accent A. Hmm. Um, because it is both an aggressive wine but also a very soft wine. So you get Kate's aggressiveness and you get August's softness. Again, there's a running theme here, the dualities. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have that underlying like acidicness, which you get from the entire world that we're in. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would rate it, it's probably, I would say, an 8 out of 10 Spanish red wine. Um, it's, it's like a pretty well-balanced wine and you get all of the different flavors and you get all of the different, a complex it's just one. like a lot yeah. to talk about basically. Um, it's true. Yeah. Eight out of 10. Nice. What about your whining rating? Uh, I also think I'm going to go with eight out of 10. Ooh. I love these characters. I do, but they are very <laughs> angsty. They're teenagers. What do you want? <laughs> right, but they're, it's finally, like, now we're finally reading a book with teenagers in high school. Like, we did not have these same problems with full fantasy teenagers. That is true. Like, even Jude in school was like, I don't give a shit if they put stuff in my food and drug me like ah and she would just go completely crazy because she had no underlying insecurities really like her only insecurity was that she knew she didn't have enough power and she would just like keep climbing to get it when when we were reading the cruel prince wicked king it changes a little bit but like when we were reading the cruel prince kate is different like we can see these insecurities written across her brain, even if she's not outwardly showing them. Like, she talks through it about how much she wants to please her father and how she's, like, using these documentaries and, like, trying to mirror his style so she can be, like, daddy's perfect little girl of torture. And she's so insecure that she's not gonna live up to everything that is expected of her. And then August, like, breaks out into a panic Well, she's attack. competing... She's competing against a monster, as we find out. Yeah, exactly. And then August, poor boy, has, like, a panic attack every ten seconds. Because he just doesn't <laughs> know how to exist in the real world. Like, I'm not saying all of the angst is unnecessary, but they are both very angsty in very different ways. And that's not bad. Like, it works for them. It works for the story. It works for a YA story in particular. Like, as I was saying earlier about August, it makes him very relatable, especially to a teenage audience, in my mind. Because what he's experiencing as a monster in high school is how most people feel in high school. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
But there's still a lot of high school angst that, like, my 26-year-old brain does not need necessarily. So, high rating. I'm, I'm going with an 8 out of 10. Okay, that's a fair rating. Yeah. Oh, we made it. Okay, we made okay. it through through the angst. And, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. Next time we record... We're going to be recording in person together. Oh, my God. One microphone. So we'll see how that goes. It'll be fun. It'll We're going to have so much wine. It's going to be so great. I'm yeah. excited. Alternatively, if we can't get to a East Village bar to take you to do pickleback shots, we can just make them at your house. And, uh... <laughs> Have a grand old time. True. We'll see what happens. It works well for uh, August and Kate, I'm telling you. Well, Kate, then August. I'm telling you. They're great. Um, but yeah, so next time we'll be recording in person together. So if our next episode has some funky audio quality issues, that is why. Because I am getting on a plane soon and vacationing to the land of Julia. Uh, so we can be together again in person for a week, which Yay. will be nice and exciting. But until then, uh, you guys can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod. And you can follow us on Twitter at Unangst Pod. And you can also email us anything to your heart's desire, as long as it's not super weird, at UnnecessaryAngstPod at gmail.com. And with that... We'll let you all go. Have a lovely week, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.